This is the Sanctuary LA podcast. We are a real church for real people in the heart of downtown Los Angeles. Luke chapter 10, verse 38 through 42. I want to share this with you guys. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. And if you don't have your Bible, don't worry. We've got it right on the screen here for you. It says she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But what Martha was distracted by all of the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Excuse me. Tell her to help me. And Jesus says, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken from her. Some translations say Mary has chosen the main course or Mary has discovered the main course and what is better. Let's just pray for a moment here this morning. God, I thank you for this word. I pray that you use me to speak life into your people, God. I pray that the word that you've given me, God, I can deliver it the same way you gave it to me. God, I pray that you would have your way, God. Pray that these people would not just hear the word, but they would be doers of your word. In Jesus' name, we pray. Before you sit down, just look at your neighbor and say, one thing is needed. One thing is needed. And then you guys can be seated this morning. Uno, one thing is needed this morning. Um, And that's the title of my message. So if you're taking notes or if you have your iPod or your iPad or your laptop, whatever you have, that's the title this morning. And we are in this worship series. um, And and I I really felt like God wanted me to to speak on this scripture here. Um, And so I'm trying to be obedient and doing that this morning. The reason why I feel like this message is so important is because I think as Christians, we have come, uh, it has become common to us to be more concerned about where we worship rather than when we worship. We as Christians, including myself, have become so set on when I get to church, I'm going to worship. Gosh, I just got to make it to Sunday. And then I worship. And there's nothing wrong with that. Anybody ever have that moment where you're like, man, I just got to get to Sunday. Just, Lord, let me make it to Sunday. I don't care what else happens, all this crap that's going on in my life. Just let me make it to Sunday because I know when I get to Sunday, I'm going to have a dedicated time to worship. We have become consumed with 30 minutes before the word, I'm going to get my worship on. So we've become consumed with uh, the fact that this is a place of worship rather than when we ought to worship. And so that's kind of the challenge and that's the tension that we struggle with because there's nothing wrong with coming to church to worship. There's nothing wrong with with this being a place of worship where you find rest in this place because that's what God promises. But if this is the only place that you worship, now we got a problem. If you walk in here and this is the only place that you can identify worship with in your life, we got a problem. Because worship should not be isolated to just the four walls of the church. 
Worship is not meant to be contained. You can't contain worship. You can't leave worship here. Do you, can you imagine yourself having worship and then walking out and saying, all right, that's it. I got my songs in. I got my steps in from all the dancing I was doing. I got my word in and now I'm, that's it. I'm leaving it all behind and I'm going into the world. That's not what God intended with worship. And so that's the tension that we're going to deal with today because worship is not meant to be contained right in this place. There is more to it. Between the place of worship and his presence, only one thing is needed. You have this place of worship, but if we come here and his presence isn't here, then this is just a club. We got the lights, we got the music. Without the spirit of God, this is just a fancy club. And I don't know about you, but I'm almost 30 years old. I don't want to be doing no clubbing. Like, I, I'm, I'm ready to chill. I got five kids, and I'm just ready to chill. Like, I'm not trying to do I'm ready for my kids to be teenagers so I can retire. As soon as the first one hits teen something, that's it for me. I'm out. 13, you, you on your grind. I'm sitting back. But when God's presence is in the place, that is when worship happens. When God's presence is in this place, you can have the church and not his presence. You can, the church will be here. As long as they don't tear down the building, this building will be here. But if you live your life outside of his presence, then you have a problem. And so what I want to talk about is the fact that worship is not just this, this moment within service, 30 minutes, and now we're done. The word is here, and now we're done. But worship is more than that. Worship is more than that. And in our text, we see two ladies who, who show us what it means to worship and also show us what it means to be distracted. And I was going to title this message, Distracted Martha. Everybody say, Distracted Martha. Devoted Mary. That's what I was going to title it. And I'm going to play on that a little bit. But what we notice is that Martha is distracted. And we're going to talk a little bit more about Martha in a moment. But Martha's distracted. Mary, on the other hand, is devoted. And Martha's distracted. And get this. Imagine if the Lord just came and sat right next to you. Imagine if he just sat right next to you. And you were more worried about the person next to you than the Spirit of God sitting right next to you. This is what Martha and Mary are dealing with. Mary has fallen to her knees at the feet of Jesus. She is devoted. She is not moving for anything. Even when her older sister comes out and starts complaining that she needs to clean up, Mary is chilling next to Jesus. Martha, on the other hand, is distracted. Anybody ever been distracted in his presence? Don't lie, you in church. Don't be out here lying. Anybody been distracted in his presence? And maybe you, maybe you, okay, let me, let me just kind of set the stage so then that way you can be honest in church. Have you ever fallen asleep while you were praying? You are distracted in his presence. Have you ever been in worship lifting your hands and somebody hit a note and you got to open your eyes like, what was that? You are distracted in his presence. We have all been there. We've been distracted. But then we, I believe, I believe, and I'm the honor system, but I trust that you have also experienced being devoted in his presence as well. Being committed to every single thing that is being spoken, being committed to that moment of worship. I imagine you've had both experiences. Uh, my son is played his first league year of little league baseball and man I am one of those dads I don't cheer for nobody else but my kid that's it your kid is up to bat I might give a little couple pats 
But when my kid go up to bat, straighten your feet. Do this. Lift. Get your elbow up. Watch. Watch the ball. Look the whole way. You got it. You'll get the next one. Don't worry about it. You got it. Oh, yeah. Go, go. When your kid come up, I'm just, I just sit back. But he played his first year of Little League Baseball, and I am also one of those dads that is trying to live through my child. I am going to be honest. I am. Because when he started playing baseball, I thought, for all you baseball fans, I was hoping he would be Alfonso Soriano, one of my favorite players. I was hoping he would be Adrian Beltre, one of my favorite players. I was hoping he would be like D. Gordon, one of my favorite players. And the whole season, I'm watching him. I'm like, yeah, he can. I, I see it. I see it. He's going to be good. Man, I can't wait to retire. It's going to be so sweet. I'm making plans already. The problem is I got to the end of the year and I started thinking like, man, who does he remind me of at this age playing Little League? And just the other day it hit me. Unfortunately, my son has the spirit of Manny Machado. If you don't know who Manny Machado is, he played for the Dodgers this year. Great player when he wants to be. Manny Machado recently did an interview where they asked him about his ability to hustle on every play. And Manny Machado says this. Let me share this with you. And then I will show you how this relates to my young boy, Prince. Manny Machado said, obviously, I'm not going to change. This is about a major league baseball player hustling. Obviously, I'm not going to change. I'm not the type of player that's going to be Johnny Hustle and run down the line and slide to first base and, you know, whatever can happen. That's just not my personality. That's not my, literally, not my cup of tea. That is who I am. Manny Machado does not hustle for nobody. He is not devoted to hustle. Prince is not devoted to hustle. The first day, I said, all right, Prince, you got your glove, you got your hat, run out there. And Prince is walking at Prince's pace, not at the pace of the other kids. Prince is walking however he feels like he wants to walk that day. Some days he will run to the coach. Other days he will trot. And then most days he just walks and he's looking all over the place. Prince is not devoted to hustle. And though I wish he were Alfonso Soriano, who would run out on every single play, I have to take it that Prince is Manny Machado at six years old. He is not devoted to hustle. Prince is devoted to the candy that I give him to wake him up while he's on the field. Prince is devoted to batting. Prince wants to bat. Prince's last game, he was crying, and I thought he was crying because earlier he got smacked in the face with the baseball, but no, Prince was crying because he wanted to hit. He is devoted to offense. Defense, on the other end, he is not devoted to defense. Prince will be out there on the outfield, and he's just flossing away. If you don't know what flossing is, it is a dance that kids do obnoxiously all the time. He is, I will not show you. I almost had my daughter come and show me. I will not show you. Uh, but he is, he is distracted by his dance moves in the outfield. Prince is distracted by his brothers and sisters who are out playing on the basketball court. Prince is distracted by the fact that he just wants to hit and want to eat candy in the outfield. I have to give him candy because if I don't, he sits there and then the coach is upset and I don't want the coach yelling at my kid because I don't want to be that dad. <laughs> so he's devoted to many things that have nothing to do with baseball. And he's distracted by a lot of things. And Martha is the same way. She is distracted 
by a lot of things. And here's what it means to be uh, distracted. Distra- or I should say, here's what it means to be devoted, to give all or a large part of one's time or resources to something. Being devoted means being very loving or loyal. So here's my question for you. How many of you would say that we get, you give all or a large part of your resources to worshiping God? How many of you would say that? Like, man, I give everything to worship God. And by everything, I mean at all times, you make this attempt to worship God in his fullness and in your fullness. Here's what it means to be distracted, to prevent someone from giving full attention to something, to divert attention from something, unable to concentrate because one mind, one's mind is preoccupied. So here's the question for you now. How many of you would admit that we are unable to concentrate on worshiping God because of our own mind and being preoccupied with other things? I'll be the first one to say that I am. I have a hard time in worship for a lot of different reasons. The first reason is because I've grown up around worship. So when I hear something that's not quite right, I immediately cannot, can no longer process what you are putting out to worship. And this is, my, this is my flaw. I am distracted because I am worried about everything else that has nothing to do with God or church simply because I need God in my life. You see, let, me, let me explain that to you. I am worried about all this stuff that I'm, God, I need you, I need you to provide so I can pay these bills. Lord, I need you to help my attitude, otherwise I'm about to go off on my kids. Lord, I need you to to make a way out of no way. I am distracted from worshiping him, but justifying it because I need him. It doesn't match. It doesn't mix. I can't sit here and be distracted from worshiping the same God that I walk out of here and beg to do something for me. But if I'm in here and I am focused and I am determined and I'm devoted to worshiping him, all that other stuff will take care of itself. But I'm distracted in the moment because my worry is so much more valuable than my worship in the moment. And we've all had that moment where we've been distracted from worshiping. So what what is worship? Here's what I believe. We've heard so many different definitions about worship. And Pastor Sean has done a great job over the, the last few weeks just really drilling it into us what worship is. And here's what I gather when I think about worship. Here's what I think about. Worship happens in so many different ways. Your life is worship. Your lifestyle should be worship. Prayer is worship. Simply talking to God is worship. Check this. Your attitude can be worship. So are you distracted from having a positive attitude, distracted from worshiping God through your attitude because of the things that you're dealing with? This is something that I've struggled with as well. Here's what I believe. Here's the definition of worship. Worship, our English word means worship, denoting the worthiness of an individual to receive special honor in accordance with that word. I'll dumb it down. It says, anytime we intentionally ascribe worth to God in speech, In song, in action, it becomes worship. Anytime we intentionally ascribe work to God in speech, song, or action, it becomes worship. Worship should be a lifestyle. Here's one of the things that I heard that just changed my life, and I just heard it the other day. You say, how do you know it changed your life? Because it did. Here's what I heard about worship. Worship is simply giving God his breath back. Worship is simply giving God his breath back. So here's another question for you. Are you stewarding the breath of God well? 
are you spending more time worrying than you are worshiping? Are you stewarding the breath of God well? God has given you that breath in your body that you woke up with. What are you doing with it? Because if it's not worship, if it's not the first thing on your mind, and I know it's hard, I know it's difficult, I, I, I can attest to that. I woke up this morning and thought to myself, Jesus, I got to get these kids ready for the day. When my first thought should have been, Lord, I thank you for waking me up this morning. It doesn't always pan out that way. It doesn't always pan out that way. And that's okay. As long as you understand where you are at fault and you make the effort to switch it. God, shoot, let me stop. God, I worship you this morning. Before I do anything else, this is, I, I want to give you this time this morning. That's what worship is. Worship is giving God his breath back. And here's the a, here's a beautiful thing about worship. And Pastor Sean said this the first week. Man, you were created to worship. Because check this out. Worship is one of the only things that God cannot give to himself. Now, I know God can do whatever he wants. God has all power, all authority. But worship, in its essence, is something that God can't give to himself. Because in order to worship something, there's got to be something higher than you. So there's nothing higher than God. So he created you to worship him. This is the reason why Satan wants to be in your position. This is the reason why he wants to take you out, because he wants you to worship him. And the fact that you have the ability to worship this king, this God, and you have the license to do it whenever you want, it makes him sick. But you can give God something that not, nobody else can give God, and that is your worship. And that's how we've got to steward the breath of God. I heard this also that... God is not any less worthy because you do or don't worship him. Just because you make the decision that I'm not going to worship today does not make God any less worthy. Because it's, it really, if you take the position that it's about me and God, you better be lucky that I'm here worshiping you because I can only give you this. Nah, you're playing your cards the wrong way. He is not any less worthy. He will still be God before you and after you. He is God. He does not need you. He desires you to worship him. He desires your worship. He desires for you to ascribe words to him. That's what he desires. He doesn't desire that in his presence we are distracted. And that's what we see from Martha. In, in Luke chapter 10, verse 40, it says, But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. Martha shows us what it's like to be distracted in his presence. In fact, Martha in the Bible is, whether she likes it or not, she's synonymous with complaining and moaning. There's even a song that says, Mary, don't weep, tell Martha not to moan. Because Martha is always moaning and complaining about something. She is always distracted. How many of you would be honest and say, I, I am Martha. I am, I got it. Don't sit here and lie. Don't act like y'all always marry, because you ain't. Sometimes you Martha. Just take it. Sometimes you be complaining. Sometimes you in the presence of God, and while we should be worshiping, all we're doing is complaining about the next thing. This is Martha. Martha is teaching us something. Martha is teaching us what not to do. And what's interesting about this encounter with Martha, because from, the, from reading the text, it seems fine. Martha invited him in. And if we stopped there, that would be great. 
But the problem is we can't just stop at inviting him into our hearts. We've got to do something with that. If I just say, Lord, I believe in you and I never show it and I never display it, how are we ever going to see your faith? How are we ever going to see that what you say is what you really believe if you never display it? Martha is the kind of person that says, yeah, I believe, but I'm going to wait to see it first. Before I start moving, I'm going to wait to see this thing. I'm going to see how it turns out first. And then we'll go a step further. Martha invites him in, but Martha doesn't do anything with it. Whereas Mary, on the other hand, invites him in and then sits at his feet. Mary understands the importance of when he is in the room, when I am in his presence, the only thing needed is for me to sit at his feet and worship him. The only thing needed while I am in his presence is to sit and listen to his word. See, we spend a lot of time in his presence while we're driving on the freeway, in his presence at work when we should be worshiping and all we're doing is worrying about the other thing. The only thing, the one thing that is needed is to worship him and to be in his presence and listening to his word. And that's what Mary shows us. Martha did well to welcome him in, but that was it. Martha made herself, check this out, Martha made herself unavailable to everything she needed. In the moment, Martha needed rest. Martha needed what we call a chill pill. Martha, you need to relax. You worried about all this other stuff, you need to sit down and get some rest. Martha needed some rest, but she made herself unavailable. And if there's one thing I've learned about God in using me, my best ability is availability. If I don't make myself available to God, how is he going to use me to my full potential? If I take myself out of his presence and I say, look, I'm not making myself available to be vulnerable and to exercise humility. I'm leaving all that over there. If I never exercise humility, how is he going to exalt me to the place that he wants me to be? If I'm always worried about what I want to do versus what he has called me to do, then I'm treading in deep, deep, dangerous water. So your best availability is always availability. Martha makes herself unavailable. And check this out. We see Martha when her brother Lazarus dies. So much so, Martha is such a a, a nuisance sometimes that in the moment where Jesus should be having compassion on Martha. In the moment where Jesus should be helping Martha get over the fact that her brother has died, Jesus has to stop Martha in her tracks and teach her a lesson. When we spend more time worrying, don't expect God to do things for you without teaching you a lesson first. God will always stop you in your worry and always will stop you in your complaint and teach you a lesson. See if you've gotten that lesson before he elevates you, before he moves you on. He will always stop you so that you get a proper perspective of who he is. He is not someone to bombard. He is not someone to just run out to in the way that Martha has and drop all the complaint on God. That is not who he is. What he does is he wants to comfort you. But if you're always running at the mouth and complaining, how is he ever going to give you words of comfort? So you have to stop. He stops Martha in her tracks, and he has to teach her a lesson. Watch it in John chapter 11, verse 20 through 26. It says, when Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. She goes after Jesus. And you would think that's a good thing. Yeah, we're going after Jesus today. And that's kind of a churchy statement. Let's go after Jesus and worship this morning. But it's not all that great. 
Because here Martha is, and she's running out with her bag of complaints to Jesus, and she's dropping it in his lap, and Jesus stops. And here's what, Mar- here's what Martha has to say. Martha says to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know, watch it, even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask for. What's wrong with that? is that God is not looking for us to get, and, and God, God wants to give you what you ask for. Martha, I want to give you what you ask for. Martha is so worried about her complaints that she believes that the only way to get rest and the only way to get peace is to say, you have to do it, Jesus, because you have to do it. So I know he'll give you whatever you ask for. Not stopping and letting her worry go to say, man, I know that what I ask in his name, it will be done. What I ask in his name, not what I ask Jesus to ask him for me, but what I ask in his name, it will be done. Martha runs out and she complains and God will give you whatever you ask for. Martha was worried about being a proper hostess rather than hosting the presence properly. Whereas Mary on the other end, I love Mary. Mary was just like, I'm just going to chill right here. Mary says the same thing that Martha says. If you would have been here, my brother would not have died. But check the difference in response. With Martha, he stops her and teaches her a lesson. With Mary, he has compassion. And he is grieved and he is moved to action. It is not until Mary comes out and falls at the feet of Jesus and says, Lord, if you had been here. It's not until that moment that Jesus is moved to action. The moment Mary comes out, humbles herself, drops herself at the feet of Jesus in his presence. She is still worshiping, excuse me, in his presence, she is still worshiping, and that is what causes Jesus to move. Can I tell you that when you get in a situation where all you want to do is worry, if you would just worship, Jesus would move. If you would just worship, he would move. If you stop, just try it. Try it for a day. When you want to worry about and complain about everything that's going on around you, if you stop and worship, see how much Jesus will move on your behalf. Jesus in this moment says, you know what? Let's take care of this. And he begins the work to raise Lazarus from the dead. Mary sat before the master, the text says, sat before the master, hanging on the every word he said. Mary is not limited by her faith. And here's the thing that we have to understand about Mary. Mary of Bethany is who we're talking about, not Mary Magdalene. So Mary of Bethany is, the, is, is known as a prostitute in Scripture. We see Mary at another instance in the same way we see Martha in another instance in the Bible. We see Mary at another point in the Bible where she is at the feet of Jesus again. Every time we see Mary, she's at the feet of Jesus. Every time we see Martha, she's dropping another complaint on Jesus. Every time we see Martha in the Bible, Jesus is having to teach her a lesson. Every time we see Mary, Jesus is telling these people, no, what she's doing is better. What she's doing is she's getting results. What she's doing is going to be remembered for ages to come. Why? Because she's worshiping at the feet of Jesus, and she goes as far as to take her hair and wipe off the tears that she is dropping on his feet. Half of y'all wouldn't be taking your hair, wiping nobody's feet. But every time we see Mary, she's worshiping. 
We see that in Luke chapter 7, verse 36 to 50. We see Mary worshiping. She is not prohibited by her past. She is not worried about her mistakes. She is not worried about what she's had to encounter. She's not worried about that. All she's worried about is, I just need to worship this man. While he is in the room, while I am in his presence, I just need to worship. Here's one of the things that I love about the Bible is that Jesus will often leave out a person's name in the text, and he'll talk about the condition, the man with the withered hand, the blind man, and he will leave out that person's name. And then there's moments where he will include the name and the ailment. And here's what I believe about that. I believe that when he doesn't mention the name, what he's really trying to teach you is that it doesn't matter what you're dealing with, you can overcome it. But when he includes the name, I think what he's trying to tell us is, you need to learn from this person's character. And so he includes Martha and he includes Mary in the story. And I think there's some things that we need to learn from both of these characters. So here's some things that I want us to learn, and we'll end right here. One of the things that we need to learn from Martha is that when we are distracted in his presence, we will always be, it will always be because we are consumed with worry. When we're distracted, we're consumed by worry. And this is what Martha teaches us. Martha is consumed by worry. What we understand is that you cannot worry and worship at the same time. Can't. It doesn't mix. It's like oil and water. No matter how much you pour that oil into the water, shake it up, stir it up, it will always have to separate. It will always have to separate. That's the same thing that we've got to do. We've got to separate our complaint from concerns and take whatever is truly a concern, take that to God and worship. Leave the complaint behind. We've got to separate. Martha teaches us that we are consumed by worry and we are distracted when we're in his presence. Mary teaches us that when we are devoted in his presence, we will be committed to worship. I'm committed. I am, regardless of what's happening, I am committed to worshiping Jesus. I'm not going to be consumed by worry. I'm going to be devoted. And I've had moments when I've been in worship and I've been distracted and consumed by worry. Worry about what I have to do the next day. Worry about what I'm going to feed my kids after church. Some of you are worried right now about what you're going to eat after service. You are distracted in his presence. Rather than being committed to worshiping him and saying, I'm going to try to leave all of that behind and just sit and listen to what you have to say to me. Martha teaches us that we are consumed by worry and causes us to be distracted. But when we are devoted, we can be committed to worship. And here's the beautiful thing about worship, and I've heard this before as well, is that worship is worry in reverse. Worship is worry in reverse. If I stop what I'm doing and I rewind and I think about the goodness of God, I'm going to stop that worry. I'm going to now divert myself to worshiping. I've got to find that, that common ground where I say, look, you know what? I get it. It's a big deal right now, but I am not going to place more value in the things that I'm concerned with than worshiping God while I'm in his presence. Mary sat and listened to Jesus. We've got to commit, be committed to doing the same thing. Here's the other thing that Martha and Mary teach us. Martha teaches us that when we are distracted in worship, what we are really doing is being restless in his presence being restless in his presence. Martha is running around the house trying to get prepared for whatever party she's got going on. I believe she was probably trying to get her house cleaned for Jesus. 
She's getting everything set up. Anybody have those Saturday mornings where you're about to have a party in the evening and your mama wake you up and you got to clean up the whole house from the top to bottom? You got to clean the baseboards and all of that. And you're like, we don't never clean the baseboards. And now all of a sudden you got people coming over and you want me to get on my hands and knees and clean the baseboards? Anybody had those moments? My dad this Thanksgiving sent out a mass text and said, here's a list of things that we need everybody to do before they leave the house because these are all the things that we have to do when y'all leave. And I just kind of sat back and just thought, oh, man, I'm just, I'm not feeling well, guys. I just, you know, and then when he got almost done, I was like, oh, you need some help? I saw your list. You need me to do anything? And they were already done. And I was like, thank you, Jesus. Just resting in your presence, Lord, and look at what it got me. Look at that. Look at what you get when you rest in his presence. But Martha is restless in his presence. Martha is running around trying to worry about all these things. Martha is worried about worldly things. And what we see, the contrast between Martha and Mary is that Martha is more practical. Mary is more spiritual. Martha is worried about cleaning up the house. Martha is worried about doing all these other things to host him, to be a good hostess, where Mary is saying, Only one thing is needed, and that is to give this man my undivided attention. And so when I am devoted to worship, I am reassured of his promise in his presence. If you get in a space of worship, whether that's in your own personal closet, in your car, on the drive, whatever it is, when you get in that moment of worship with God, what he is going to do every single time is reassure you of his promises every single time. That is where the rest comes in. Because while you're worried about how am I going to make it, he reminds you, I am the provider. When you're worried about God, how am I going to get over this sickness? He reminds you, I am the healer. He reassures you of his promise when you are devoted to worship. When you are distracted, you are restless and you are worried about things that you don't need to be worried about. He gives you rest if you will take it, if you will be in that space and say, I just want to be in your presence and worship. Martha is worried about all these other things that, sep- that are separating her from Jesus in that moment. And Mary is just saying, I'm just going to sit right here. Nothing in this moment is going to separate me from this love. Nothing is going to separate me. Love the scripture in Romans chapter 8, verse 38 to 39. Nothing can separate us. Martha is allowing something to separate her from Jesus in that moment. And Mary has decided, I want to be reassured of his promise. I'm going to be devoted in worship. Here's the next thing that Mary and Martha teaches. Martha teaches us that when we are distracted in worship, we will always have misplaced expectations. You came into this moment of worship worried about what you're dealing with, and now you're expecting Jesus to do something for you. Martha is in this moment, and she's begging Jesus, King of kings, Lord of lords, You would think that she would be begging him to do something miraculous. Martha reduces Jesus to being like your mother or father and saying, can you go tell her to help me clean up? Like, I'm out here slaving and she over there sitting down. Can you go tell her to help? Out of all the things you could ask Jesus, that is what you ask him? Tell her to help me clean up? Martha in this moment has misplaced expectations. She believes that Jesus is going to do any and everything that she asks, even though she has not given Jesus any and everything that he has asked for. Martha has misplaced expectations. In this moment, Martha is asking Jesus for something, and for once, Jesus does not give the person what they're asking for. All throughout the Bible, they're asking to be healed. I just want to be healed. 
I just want to walk. I just want to see. And Jesus eventually will do those things. Martha, I just want her to help me clean up. And Jesus, no, we, no, we got better things to do than that. And Martha, Mary shows us the better thing because while Martha has misplaced expectations, Mary is having a, a focused encounter with Jesus. I imagine that Mary has not taken her eyes off of Jesus, that she is looking at him like he is the greatest thing in the world, as she should. I imagine that she is hanging on every word that is coming out of his mouth because she understands that if I am devoted in this moment, I am going to encounter him in a way like never before. And Jesus says, this thing that Mary is doing, I'm not going to take that. Why would I take that away from her? Why would I? I can, t- I can take so many other things away. I give and I take away. I can t- but when you get in this moment of worship and you have put your attention on worshiping the king, that is something that will never be taken away from you. He will never take your ability to worship him away. Even if you can't open up your mouth and sing a song, even if you can't say anything, your whole being can still worship God. And he says to Martha, I'm not about to take this away from her. The last thing that Martha and Mary teach us is that when we are distracted in worship, we are attached to our own work. And Mary shows us that when we are devoted, we are attending to his word. Martha's making preparations for a meal. Martha's worried about what she's doing. Martha's too stressed about earthly things. Her life was out of focus. She was dedicated to fulfilling all these other expectations that she had while Mary is sitting there attending and receiving and taking in everything that Jesus is saying. When the word is taught, what we learn is that we need to listen. Everything else is secondary. When you get in a moment of devoted worship, everything else is secondary. And this is what Mary teaches us. Life has one need, one need, and that is to worship the king. That is it. If you don't do anything else, if you don't teach your kids anything else, let them be seniors and not know their ABCs without singing the song. Because some of us just know our ABCs, ABC, because we sing the song. But even if you don't teach them anything else, if you teach them to worship, you are a success. If you teach them what it means to honor his presence, you as a parent, my friend, are a success. Even if you failed at everything else, you are a success when you have taught them what it means to honor his presence. That is the one need that we have in this world, and that is to worship Jesus. Jesus is teaching that attention to him is the most important thing in life. Attention, worship to him. Worldly business snares us. Worldly business causes us to stumble. Worldly expectations, trying to meet those expectations, causes us to fail every single time. But when we get in his presence, where I am just here to worship you, God, wherever it is, in the grocery aisle, wherever it is, at the park, whatever it is, I am just here to worship. God, does that change everything? Every head bowed and every eye closed this morning. One thing is needed. One thing is needed. God, I thank you for Mary. I thank you for Martha for teaching us this morning. I pray that we would have a heart to be devoted in worship. 
to focus on you, to allow you to be the main focus and every bit of our attention on you. I pray that if we've ever had the spirit of Martha, if we've ever been in a moment where we have been distracted while in your presence, God, I pray that we would put that thing in reverse and begin to worship you. I thank you that in your presence there is fullness of joy. If we can pay attention to that joy, if we can pay attention and focus on grabbing hold of that peace, of that joy, of that liberty, of that freedom, God, I pray that we are never distracted while we are in your presence. I pray that we would have the heart and the mind to worship you with undivided attention. We thank you for that, God. I just want to say this this morning, it doesn't matter what your past has been like. It doesn't matter what you've experienced. It doesn't matter what you have done. Uh, Worship does not require a perfect resume. Worship does not require you to have the greatest voice. Worship does not require you to play an instrument. Worship requires you allowing yourself to be the vessel that God wants to use. And so if you've ever been in this place and you've been inundated with your past and your mistakes and you've said, look, I, I can't really even lift my hands the way I want to because of all the mess that I've dealt with. And if I open my hands and surrenderance to God, then what may, I'm afraid of what may drop out. I'm afraid of what people may see. I'm afraid that people will see my scars. I'm afraid that people will notice the real me if I allow myself to let loose in worship. Can I just say that that's the only thing that's needed? God is not looking for anything else from you. God desires that you would just worship him in his presence. Let's stand this morning. And what I want to do is I want to pray for anybody who's in this place and you say, you know what? I have been distracted, not just in the simplest form of being distracted while we're in worship, but just being distracted in life by worrying about everything else. I've worried about my past addiction. I've worried about my past struggles. I've worried about the abuse that I've encountered. I've worried about the abuser. I've worried about all these other things, and I've stopped worshiping you the way I should. Thank you for listening to the Sanctuary LA podcast. Tune in again next week, and stay awesome and be blessed.